Fixing the Gap. Hi, this is Rick Miller, the host of this podcast. It's 2022. If you're listening to this, you've likely subscribed to the podcast, and I hope it's been keeping you company in the dead of winter amidst another wave of the pandemic, and at least here in Toronto, another lockdown. I don't know about you, but I keep reading more and more about the perilous state of our public discourse and the imminent collapse of democracy and civility, especially across the U.S. border. I'll touch on a bit of that in a few minutes, but this isn't a podcast about politics. It's about people and different views on how to be a decent human being and how to understand each other a little bit better. So today, I'd like to take a few minutes to address some of the questions that have come my way since the launch of Xing the Gap a few weeks ago. Some of the questions are from you, and I thank you for your feedback, but some are from me. I'm always asking myself questions, and I may come across on stage or on camera or on this podcast as terribly confident in what I have to say about the world, and I guess I sometimes am, but if I'm confident it comes from hours, days, weeks, months of anxious questioning and searching and trying and failing and learning and doubting and all the rest. In my 25-year career, I think on average I've produced a new stage show every two years. With this podcast, I'm trying to produce an episode every two weeks. That's super challenging for me because at the most basic level, I like to do good work and I like to like everything I do. That means pulling together interesting guests, researching, scheduling, and recording meaningful conversations, editing them, analyzing them, having something coherent and useful to say about them, and packaging them so they feel like they're part of a consistent, elegant whole. And they need to be entertaining, but also challenging. I want to laugh without being mindlessly distracted, and I want to confront issues without hitting anyone on the head with them. There's a balancing act there, a gap I'm trying to fill, which brings me to the title and question number one. What does the X in the title mean? I'm a member of Generation X, meaning that I'm born in that awkward gap between baby boomers and millennials. That's the banal surface level source of the title Xing the Gap, a Gen Xer who sees gaps in understanding between generations and who hosts a conversation with an older and a younger person to help create bridges instead of walls between the generations. Hence the hashtag build bridges, not walls, which is fine, but it's just a hashtag. Same with generational labels like Gen X or Y or Boomers or Gen Z. These are only hashtags and they have very little meaning to me except as entry points into a conversation where we get away from simple slogans and the kind of reactionary reductionist thinking you find almost everywhere on social media, which is why I suck at social media. More on that later. The X. When Douglas Copeland published his novel Generation X 30 years ago, the X wasn't meant to represent a target or pirate treasure location like X marks the spot. No. On the contrary, X is for something undefined, constantly shifting in meaning. That's more how I see the X in the title of this podcast and in life more generally. So what about Xing? You know those signs that say animal Xing or pedestrian Xing? That usually means there's something that's cutting across your road. So pay attention. I'm working hard these days at being mindful and paying attention, so that interpretation of Xing is okay. Google also tells me that Xing means crossing something out, like eliminating a mistake. That's also okay. 
X is also used when you've made a mistake on a test or an exam or on Family Feud when the giant red X comes in with that horrible sound of failure. <clears throat> failure is okay, and it's a big theme in my work. Great. I'm also learning Mandarin because my Boom Trilogy has been getting Asian premieres in Taiwan. What does X-I-N-G mean in Mandarin? Depends on the accent. Xiong means happy. Xiong means star. Xiong means okay. Okay, all those meanings work for me. What kind of gap do you mean? Okay, this is not about the clothing brand. Gen Xers like me tend to hate product placement and marketing and anything that tries to be hip or cool and just isn't. One of the gaps I talked about before are generation gaps. Sure, I'm interested in them as long as we recognize that generations are artificial constructs mostly created by marketing types who profit from packaging us into little demographic boxes. Cultural gaps also interest me a lot. My dad immigrated to Canada from Austria in the 1950s, and despite our many similarities, there's still a huge cultural gap between us, mostly evident in our taste in music. Austrian folk music makes him happy. U2 makes me happy. Awesome. Does that mean I need to love Helmut Lottie? No. I also hinted before at the gap between capital A art and entertainment, which is way more complex than it seems, and I've spent my entire adult life trying and mostly failing to bridge that gap, to be both highbrow and lowbrow, to challenge and please people. I still think it's worth the effort, because when you create something that has emotional and intellectual rigor and richness and complexity, and yet continues to bring pleasure to others... That's when you're onto something. That's when change can occur. That's when bridges can be built. That's when hearts and minds can be shaken and transformative moments can be experienced. We've all felt it at some point, either watching a movie or a play or reading a novel, when we feel like the artist is communicating directly to us, as opposed to just striking a pose and being clever. I think it comes down to the relationship we have with our audience. Some artists, consciously or unconsciously, feel contempt for their audience, and their work can take two forms. Either they talk down to us and they give us crass, manipulative garbage, or they create masturbatory, self-gratifying art for art's sake, without really giving a shit about what they're communicating or who they're communicating with. Dear listener, I care about you. I need you. Without you, I'm nothing. It's a pretty deep dependency, actually, which makes for a complicated relationship. And I'm okay with that. I hope you are too. What about other gaps? Well, I'm a middle-aged, middle-class guy, which implies that I'm in the middle of something on either side of me. Middle-aged, in my case, means that I have kids and parents who are both dependent on me, pulling me in either direction. The kids less and less so, the parents more and more so. It's a natural place to be in life, and it's very interesting for me to talk to others about their own experience. Middle class. Class is also a very interesting topic, especially when you get beyond the political pandering and the blatant hypocrisy of most people in power today, who claim to care about the middle class when they so clearly don't. Everyone knows the middle class is shrinking, and there's increasing disparity and inequality between the ultra-wealthy and the ultra-poor. Is that something to talk about and explore? Absolutely. What about more gaps? Okay, maybe the most glaring gap today in 2022 is what's commonly referred to as polarization. 
this gaping chasm that's driven by hyperpartisanship and which tends to view everything with an us or them, black or white mentality. This gap isn't new, but it's made way deeper by current technologies and social media, which make the loud and obnoxious even louder and more obnoxious. It's healthy to debate things like the correct size of government or the best way to try to live together in a multicultural, pluralistic society. It's not healthy to completely deny objective reality and truth, to mistrust everything arrived at through science and consensus, and to treat every disagreement as a threat to one's fragile identity. Is all this worth talking about in a podcast? Absolutely. Is it going to make a difference? Absolutely not. If you're thinking of global impact. But sometimes thinking global impact is the wrong way to go, in my opinion. At least that's been my experience. I'm more interested now in the personal rather than the global, and in being compassionate rather than being impactful. One day at a time, one conversation at a time. Yes, that's a platitude, but sometimes the most banal things can still be the most profound. Why so much Rick Miller? You'll notice that each conversation in Xing the Gap is interrupted every now and then by my own perspective. It's part of what makes my show's boom work, and I am by no means the objective documentarian or interviewer. I listen, I learn, and then I distill it and apply it to my own life. Because that's what I do. That's all I know how to do. And maybe that sounds like it's all about me, but ultimately, the one thing we have from the beginning to the end of our lives, even more than our family, is ourselves. And what I mean by the self is our body, our mind, and our experience of the world. And the way I view the self is a very fluid, imperfect, indefinite thing. Like a creative project that never fully reaches any state of completion. It's constantly evolving over time. And in all my stage shows, there's been a self-referential element. I admire artists and playwrights and novelists who write about other people and keep themselves out of their stories. But the artists I really admire aren't afraid to throw themselves into their own work in interesting ways, like an ongoing conversation you're having with yourself or your many selves. So when I play my mom or my daughter in Boom and Boom X or Boom YZ, yes, I'm playing them and telling their stories, but I'm also playing myself. Not to be confused with playing with myself, which is a whole other thing. Or is it? Anyway, back to the form. The 35 or 40 minutes of Xing the Gap are conversational and loose, but there's an element of intelligent design in how it's all put together. I can't help it. Like I said before, it usually takes me two years to put a thought together, and then it's covered in artifice and theatricality and pretense and technology. And I'm usually alone on stage in perfect control of every moment, right? Yeah. Here I'm talking to others, unscripted, with a lot less artifice, less theater, less pretense, and less control. I'm actually trying to get away from all those things, and from myself, and I'm enlisting the wisdom of others to help me do so. But I can't get away from trying to design it and make it look and sound good. I have two degrees in architecture, and if I didn't use them, my mom would be mad at me. How do I choose my guest? Up until now, I've reached out mostly to friends and colleagues, ordinary Canadians who, in my opinion, have done extraordinary things and whose work I've admired up close or from afar. The problem with my tri-generational setup is that I can't really talk to anyone my age, and most of my friends are my age or close enough to be in the same generational cohort. 
I am interested in experts and people who've just released new material and are on a PR tour, but the chances are that their PR agent won't be much interested in a new podcast that's still finding its audience. The metrics just aren't there yet. That may change, and I'll keep trying. But I also don't just want my guests to do what they do on a PR tour, which is to talk exclusively about their book or play or film or etc. I'm interested in using their area of expertise as a starting point to a more personal conversation, ideally with a family member of a different generation. And getting personal is the last thing many artists want to do, surprisingly enough. I'd be a really good guest for this kind of podcast, which is why I'm making it in the first place, right? Despite what some people may think of an introverted solo artist being antisocial, I actually like working with other people. I love meaningful conversation. I also love to have fun and play games, which leads me to... Why the Game Show? Because playing is important. It's what makes us creative, lovable human beings. Kids are naturally playful and imaginative. Adults are told to grow up and get serious. Sure, but stay playful and imaginative. It's hard, but it's important. That's why I'm going to play games with my guests at the end of every podcast. And that's why I'm going to play a game with you now. Email me back with the correct answers, and I'll send you a signed copy of my CD, Songs from Boom X and Other Shows. And hey, if you don't have a CD player anymore, no sweat. Just hold on to it. In 25 years, kids are going to find them cool again. So here we go with the generation gap. Try to do this without Google. I won't be able to tell when you email me the answers, but you'll probably feel better about it. Name these TV themes. I'm going to whistle them so you can't shazam them. Next one. I'm a terrible whistler. Third one and final one. Easy. Especially if you know me. Which TV game show had a grid of nine squares and which celebrity was most often at the center square? Movies. Name the Marx Brothers. Then name the Baldwin Brothers. Then name the Wachowski Sisters. Which 2004 movie starring Lindsay Lohan was recently turned into a Broadway musical written by Tina Fey? Music. Name the Spice Girls. Spice names, not real names. MTV did not play this recording artist's music videos until this record label threatened to pull all their other artists off the air. Name the artist. Name the label. Internet. Name a YouTube influencer. Which internet company coined the phrase, You've got mail. And what media company did they merge with in 2000? Politics. Name a female British prime minister. Hint, there have been two. Name a female Canadian prime minister. Hint, there's been one. For a very short time. And finally, technology. I worked in a video store in the late 1980s, and the store was equally divided into two kinds of tapes. Name those two kinds of tapes. And finally, 
multiple choice question. The first webcam to ever be deployed was at Cambridge University. What was it designed to monitor? A. Crows nesting outside a laboratory window. B. A coffee pot to know when it was empty. C. A lounge refrigerator to catch a lunch thief. And D. A door which was opened via motion detector. And that's it. Email me your answers, rick at rickmiller.ca, and I'll be in touch with you either way with a sorry but thanks for trying or about that prize of a signed CD. In the meantime, please keep listening, sharing, and downloading episodes, and posting reviews on those podcast sites like Apple, Spotify, and Google. It makes a huge difference. Trust me. Thanks. And I'll be back soon with new episodes of... Xing the Gap.